Thank you for joining us today, and welcome to another episode of I'm Not in an Abusive Relationship. Today we have a survivor story, Abby, who has survived sexual assault. She was talking with Rose Ludwig, who is the executive director of DASIS, and this is her story. Hello, this is Rose Ludwig with Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. I'm here with Abby today. And Abby's a survivor of sexual assault and would like to share her story with us. Hello, Abby. Hello. Why did you want to share your story with us today? Just so it is brought to the attention of more people, not so much my story, but um, sexual assault victims in general. And can you tell me about your personal experience with sexual assault? Um, I have uh, kind of two instances that I believe shaped my life and who I am today. Um, I was sexually assaulted as a child by a uh, by a relative female babysitter um, and that just kind of didn't really surface in my life until I was older because I didn't know what sexual assault was or what uh, child molestation was and did not bring that to the attention of my family until quite recently. Um, and then the second time was I was a freshman in college and studying with a classmate that we, I had been paired up with. And um, I honestly can't remember his name, which is sad, but also happy for me as well. Um, and I did not tell anyone about that at the time either. So when you were a child, you kept that a secret for many, many years? I would say I wasn't necessarily keeping it a secret. It was more along the lines of, I didn't know it was wrong. I didn't know that adults shouldn't be doing that. Um, not necessarily an adult, she was, she was in her teens, but not realizing that it was something that was wrong or wasn't supposed to be happening. So, I see. Yeah. Okay, Abby, so if you feel comfortable, would you share with us a little bit about your experience as a child? Um, so I believe I was around the age of, uh, I would say, I, I can't remember for sure, but between the ages of four and six, um, my parents had just gotten divorced and I was living with my mother who hired a family member of my father's to babysit us. Um, I don't know how often or how many times that person babysat us, but I remember specifically one time um, I was there and she was putting me down for a nap. And I just remember hearing my brothers on the outside of the wall, on the other side of the wall. They were trying to give me like my watch or something like that. And she just kept saying that I was asleep, but I was clearly awake. Um, and, uh, she sexually assaulted me and that is the only instance that I can remember from that victimization. And like I said earlier, I didn't realize that that was something that was wrong. Um, and I don't think that I told anyone in my entire life until I was... 17 or 18 years old, I told my boyfriend at the time 
and he basically told me to keep it a secret. It had been so long that he didn't want me to traumatize my family members or to bring up even the emotions in myself again. Um, and I didn't tell anyone. And when him and I broke up, that kind of almost made it feel like I was allowed to tell my story and I was not encouraged to tell my story until I had a new boyfriend who was more empathetic, sympathetic with me and said that it would probably help me to talk about it or to help my mother understand who I was as a child and why I was the way I was. And um, it was weird. When I went to go tell her for the first time, she just kind of looked at me and almost with confusion because she felt like she knew the whole time but didn't want to bring it up to me in order to trigger me or to upset me if it didn't actually happen. Um, so she had questioned it. Um, and that's really it. I, after I told my mother, I was more comfortable talking about it with other people. Um, I do know at one point, uh, my father, he kind of told me to not talk about it because it was from the past and it's upsetting people and it doesn't matter now and that female relative didn't know what she was doing. Um, she was just a child as well, but she was old enough to babysit me and my two older brothers, so she should have known to not do that to children. Um, and I have not spoken to that person since I was a kid. We do not get together as families, so I do not see her. I know that she's, I believe, married and has children of her own now. I messaged her once on Facebook, just simply stating that I forgive her and it's made me who I am today. And I never got a response from that. And I think that I'm happier that I didn't get a response because it probably would have hurt to hear from her. So, yeah. Abby, you said that when you were a child, um, when you finally did tell your mom, you wanted her to understand who you were as a child. Can you tell us how that impacted you in your in your raising and how you um, grew into an adult? Like how, what kind of impact that had on you? Um, yeah, I, I don't really know how much it affected me as a child just because I didn't understand that maybe those were some of the reasons of why I was doing things. Um, but I would say that due to this, potentially was one of the reasons of why I was so sexually active at such a young age um, and not understanding even as a child what good touch and bad touch was. Um, I remember, I don't know how old I was, but there was a class where we had to take a, a red crayon and a green crayon and color the parts of the body that were okay to touch and were not okay to touch. And then we also had to color a different uh, picture 
stating where we had been touched. And I remember I, I colored in the, with the red marker, um, private areas. And my father was like, oh no, you did that wrong. And he helped me switch it so that it didn't look like I had been touched in bad places. He did not think that I had been touched in bad places, but he just thought that I was doing the assignment wrong. And so I remember he helped me change that. And I feel like that was kind of like me subconsciously telling people or trying to tell people. But even from that little teaching that I had as a kid, I did not realize um, that that was wrong. But other than that, um, can't really tell you exactly what I had, what was different in my childhood. Um, I will say that reflecting back now, um, I think if I had realized that that was wrong, my life would have been different, but I'm kind of glad I didn't have to go through my whole life thinking that that was wrong. I think it kind of sheltered me, not really in a good way, but I think it helped my childhood mentality. Um, and it has affected me who I am, who I am today. I am in, uh, a lesbian relationship and, you know, I, I had potentially thought about that, uh, at different points in my life, but always thought, you know, if I get into a relationship with a woman, um, then I would kind of make it seem like she was winning, like she changed me somehow, or something like that. I don't know how exactly I would phrase it, but that has run through my mind before. Did, did she make me a lesbian? But no, uh, being an adult now and knowing what lesbianism is and, um, who you love as a person, uh, that has nothing to do with childhood experiences. You just, you love who you love and you don't, uh, let anything interfere with that. So you would say that these experiences somewhat suppressed who you were as an individual and expressing yourself as an individual. I believe so. I mean, I'm 24 years old and, um, was not in my first and only lesbian relationship until I was 22 years old. And, um, so I think, I think it did kind of suppress, um, like, I don't know, not feelings, uh, towards the same sex, but just thinking back to myself, like if I get into a lesbian relationship or if I look at a woman that way, then it almost seems like what she did to me as a child wasn't wrong. But um. yeah, well, I'm sorry, Abby, that you had to experience that as a child. So then you moved into your young adult life and then you had another um, tragic experience while you were in college. Uh, yes. So my freshman year of college, I was in a class called first year experience and we were partnered up into groups and uh, it was me and this other gentleman and we were studying, uh, or not studying, but creating a presentation for the class on understanding Western Michigan University. We were in 
the dormitory complex and they had little rooms that you could rent out to study. So it had like, it was a private room, had a couch and tables and chairs, everything that you would need to kind of just seclude yourself and study without any distractions. So we rented out one of those rooms and uh, I don't even know what happened. Um, that, that experience is extremely fuzzy in my mind. Um, I just, I kind of remember, it almost felt like waking up, but I wasn't asleep. But I remember kind of coming to and realizing what was happening. And at that point it was over. We, him and I both then went to my dorm room to pick up my roommate in order to get on the bus to go to class. And I remember I was, I was crying in the bathroom and she asked me if, if something was wrong and I said no. And then we got on the bus, the three of us together, went to class and that was towards the end of the semester. I finished out the class, never said anything to anyone, and kind of just kept socializing with this person because I thought that it was just a one-time thing and didn't mean anything, mainly because I didn't remember. Um, so I just kept going along with it like he was my friend. and. Um, that kind of changed who I was. I know that my my partner at the time, my boyfriend at the time, um, noticed some changes in me that I didn't see in myself, and he actually ended up leaving me. And um, we were broken up for six months, got back together, and we were in a fight one day about how I had changed and how I've been changing since. And I just remember screaming at the top of my lungs at him that I had been raped at the time that he broke up with me. And he kind of looked at me and he said uh, that he didn't believe me and that he thought I was cheating. And we kind of left it at that for a couple years actually. I had left Western Michigan University after that experience and I attended Kalamazoo Valley Community College. Did you change colleges because you were trying to avoid your assailant or you just needed a change of, you needed a change in your life or? I think it was a combination. Um, like a lot of freshman college students, I was not doing very good in my classes, not very well in my classes, and I wanted to change majors and also get out of that school to inevitably avoid him when it kind of sunk in of what had happened. Once my boyfriend had broken up with me, I realized that, oh wow, a lot has changed. So I left Western Michigan University, went to Kalamazoo Valley Community College, and just finished up my associate's degree there. And while I was in a family violence class uh, for my social work degree, uh, the YWCA of Kalamazoo came
came to my school and gave a presentation. And that was my first introduction to uh, sexual assault services, people that could help you. So when you learned of that service, did you reach out and um, get some assistance with that to be able to process through and navigate that, those emotions and those feelings? Uh, it had been probably two years after my freshman year assault. And so I thought that I was the top of the world. I was healed and time heals all wounds, everything like that. And so I immediately, I filled out my, uh, paperwork to become a volunteer right away with them. I think that day, and that was in April and I went through their volunteer training, which would have made me a sexual assault supportive volunteer. So when a person is sexually assaulted, they would go to the Y and I would be there to kind of be their familiar face because they see so many doctors, they see so many counselors, social workers. I would be there to ask some questions to help prepare the nurse, to hold their hand, um, and like I said, to be a familiar face. So I thought that that would also help me process at the same time. Um, and that really did open up my eyes to the sexual assault services world. And I had volunteered with them from 2016 until just recently, 2015 until just recently. So, Abby, I appreciate you sharing your story, and I'm glad that you were able to um, process that. Um, what do you want sexual assault victims to know? I think I want sexual assault victims to know what everyone wants them to know is that they're not alone. There are people that can help them through this process. Um, it's, you want to help heal yourself at your own pace and so not you don't have to always straight jump into counseling services and everything like that obviously it would help but you have to be at a good point in your life as well um so that everything is at your own pace and you're able to heal what you want to heal if that makes any sense it does is that the advice you would give them or do you have further advice that you would give them uh, advice is open up to someone that you trust. You should always have someone in your life, no matter what, that you can trust with information um, in order to help you process through even just everyday life. There should be someone like that in your life. And, but yes, open up to them. Seek out services when you feel necessary and just take care of yourself. Learn about services in your area beforehand um, because the, st the statistics are so very high it's just nice to know what resources you have to fall back on i think one of the things we learned here through your story today is that it's so very important to believe survivors it sounds like in both of your uh, situations you had difficulty with people believing that this happened to you when you finally did share that. So it is really important that those of us who hear these things and if we are that trusted confidant or that individual that somebody comes to, that we believe survivors. We always have to believe survivors. Thank you for listening. 
to I'm not in an abusive relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, dasasmi.org. That's dasasmi.org. Or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it, all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.